Welcome back, everybody, to So Every Soul Sings Worship for the Real Church. I'm Bethany Pedigo. I'm here with my friend Rod Ellis. He is coming to us today from a Denny's. So all of the noise in the background is uh, people throwing plates at each other, I think, is what was happening earlier. There hasn't been an ambulance. Nobody's had any blood. So I think we're okay. Uh, <laughs> it is also a little interesting. Um, our worship ministry is doing the Daniel Fast right now together. And so I'm sitting in a restaurant yes, that has the most amazing, like, omelets and pancakes uh, and proteins. <laughs> and I can't, I had a fruit cup, which was great. <laughs> Almost as good as bacon. <laughs> Suffer, I'm suffering. I'm suffering yeah. through this Daniel Fast with yeah. all of you. And I can't wait to see what God does with it. But um, my goodness, okay. it is it's an interesting day to be at Denny's. So thanks for listening and uh, forgive the background noise. Actually, when I, when I first started talking to people about having a podcast, I thought about doing it at a restaurant all the time because I'm kind of famous among my friend group for having <laughs> meetings at restaurants. I just always, I love to meet at people <laughs> with restaurants. And so we talked about, yeah, it'd probably be too noisy to do because all the background noise and the dishes and all. So here we are. <laughs> Yeah, here we are. Your dream has come true. <laughs> it's so wonderful. Yes. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Um. Yeah. So, and interestingly enough, while I'm at a Denny's, we're going to talk about worship as a feast. So there you go. Yes, in we're the of a fast. as as we are fasting. Thank you, yes. Rod. <laughs> ah, well, I you know the Daniel fast is taken from the book of Daniel where um, he fasted. Um, and God showed himself tremendously faithful to this group of, of young men who fasted from the wine and the fine foods of the king's table. Uh, and God, you know, spoke to them. He revealed himself to them. And, and that's not from the New Testament. That's from the Old Testament. Um, likewise, I, one of my favorite passages of scripture is actually Deuteronomy chapter eight, which um, I'd love to we could do a whole podcast about that because it was a life-changing moment for me wow. and an incredible encounter with God that um, changed me forever. So much of the Old Testament, many people think is just, oh, well, that's just the Old Testament. It's the Old Covenant. It's all those laws we don't have to keep. Like, now we can eat bacon. Yay. But <laughs> After the Daniel <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really? Much of the Old Testament, and certainly the first five books, which is the Torah, the law, um, are not simply talking about things you can't do or can't eat, but there are tons of feasts and festivals and parties that basically tell people to rejoice and to worship through feasting. There are, and one of the most interesting things I've ever learned about the worship system of the old testament is that the sacrifices when brought to the temple became the feast for the people who brought them which is so like god isn't it to take our sacrifice and turn it into a feast and so he built that into the whole way that people of israel worship they would bring a lamb or a goat or a bull or a turtle dove or whatever they could bring and then they would have a communal experience and they would have a feast laid out before them. And I think it's just really, really kind of cool to think about what worship looks like as a feast. Of course, that happens in the Old Testament with the sacrificial system, but it also happens in the New Testament agape feast. So mm -hmm. 
the, the tradition of the church was every time they gathered in the early days of the church, when right after Jesus left the earth and for actually hundreds of years after, every time they gathered, they would have communion together. But one of the dangers of doing that is that you turn communion into a meal where you, you know, eat and drink and be merry. And all of a sudden it's not really the kind of somber event that it's designed to be not, not somber as in sad, but somber as in serious. Mm-hmm. And so they started having agape feasts where they would gather as a church and just have a potluck, you know, <laughs> what we would call it these days. That's the word I was thinking. And you said yeah. it, potluck. Yeah. Yeah, they just have and then after the meal, they would have communion so that they weren't eating from the Lord's table for physical nourishment, but for spiritual nourishment. And then ultimately in, in Revelation 19, we know that one day there will be the marriage feast of the Lamb, where all of us as the bride of Christ will gather with the Lamb of God and we will have an unending feast in heaven. So the whole idea of worship as a feast just fascinates me. And I wanted to talk just a few minutes about what that looks like and and can we should we feast every time we worship Mm. or should it be like i'm on a diet this sunday so i'm only gonna have fruits and vegetables and water but then (laughs) on easter and maybe christmas sunday and mother's day we'll have a feast Mm -hmm. so what do you think bethany should we be feasting every time we gather for worship Yes. I don't mean food now. I mean on, I mean on the, the sustenance that comes to us spiritually. Yes. Uh, something I've always wanted to cultivate in my children is a hunger for God. Okay. Um, when my oldest daughter was about five years old, I walked into her bedroom and she was crying. Mm-hmm. And I thought she was sick at first. You know, that was always my first like, uh, are you sick? Are you going to throw up? Like, why are you crying? <laughs> um, and she said, no, I, I'm not sick. I just want God. Mm. I just want God. And she was weeping. And I said, well, you can have him. You can have him. Yeah. And there's no need to ever, 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 ever keep ourselves away from experiencing God, from um, seeking him from reaching out to him. There's no need to fast from his presence or from his glory or from his majesty. Um, Unless, you know, there are a couple of times in scripture where people actually told God to, to back up, to withdraw because they physically couldn't handle it. Um, I think Ezekiel had an experience like that. And Daniel had an experience like that where the the presence of God was so overwhelming that he was like, okay, back up, wait, hold on a second. But until we're having experiences like that, I think all the time, maybe we should never, ever, ever try to limit the amount or the scope of, of what we are celebrating when we are either by ourselves with the Lord, or especially when we're together in a worship gathering. We're supposed to hunger and thirst for righteousness, if I remember the Sermon on the Mount right. And Jesus is our righteousness, if I remember the writings of Paul right. So it sounds to me like we should hunger and thirst for Jesus. Also, Psalm 42 says, as the deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you. Sounds to me like those are kind of descriptors that make us want to come to worship and get all of God that we can get. Now, I would also quickly say that feast doesn't always look like epic music. You can feast on God with acapella singing, 
mm-hmm. even if you're not a Church of Christ congregation. You can feast on God when you're by yourself with your guitar. It's not about the musical resources that you bring to worship. It's about the spiritual resources that we try to engage in worship. And, and hopefully, if you're a, a wise worship planner, worship designer, um, worship leader, then you're using all of those resources so that we are, in fact, feasting on the presence of God, not on the beauty of the music or the drama of the number of drummers you have on stage or, you know, all the things that are so fun for us musically, those are simply servants. And we do those things. I mean, I say that because Mm -hmm. we just did our Christmas Eve service featured five drummers for the song, little drummer boy. We covered the four King and country version, which was so fun. Oh, it was (laughs) so good too. Yeah. It was just incredible. Um, But we didn't do that because we just want to be cool. We did that because we want people to think about those lyrics. And if I were a, shepherd I would bring a lamb and what can I give him I give him all that I am you know we we want them to think about the words and so we use the resources we have as musicians to help them engage the words so that they feast on Jesus himself and my goodness what an incredible I mean those of you who have had that kind of feast in a worship encounter why would you not want to have it again and why would you not want to provide it again and again for your people so I I don't think we can ever get enough of God I don't think we ever get full and I could be wrong about that. And maybe it's because I have never been full enough on my own. I would just always want to both be a a participant at the feast, as well as a host at the table as I invite people into the feast of worship. I hope that makes sense. You know, God, God is so generous. I I think about the parable of the workers in the field that are paid different amounts remember that story that Jesus tells and um, and at the end he says the most profound thing to me because he paid the same amount to every person even if they had only worked an hour or two hours or three hours or four hours and he said why are you angry with me because I am generous Mm. is it not my money basically to to do with it what I please. Right. I think about that sometimes. I think, why are we, you know, trying to be uh, sticklers with what belongs to God? Like it belongs mm. to Him, yep. and He's generous. So we shouldn't be parceling it out. The image that popped in my head is the goofiest image ever. You know, the Pez dispensers, <laughs> one piece of candy at a time, <laughs> yes. and God's just like, I've got a dump truck out back. you know you don't need to give them like one moment here and then oh let's back off and let people kind of no you just just open up jesus to them and let them feast on his presence and everything we do i think ought to manifest or aim to manifest his presence Mm -hmm. so for reading scripture we want to do it in such a way that it's like god is in this word and if we're praying Mm -hmm. we want to do so, so in such a way that we're thinking God is listening, like right now, in the room. He's here. He's hearing us talk. And when we sing, we want to sing as if he's singing with us and maybe singing over us, like Zephaniah 3.17 says. And and he's listening to us sing, and we're singing to him. And, oh, my goodness, just the, the intimacy of all of that. It, it's just saturated with the presence of God. Saturated, I guess, would be more about liquid than food. I don't want to mix metaphors <laughs> too much. Um, but they're both so rich and I really just I, I love the idea that we can't 
we can't give people enough of God for them to get enough of God. Mm. So let's just do all we can as worship, again, planners, uh, dreamers, designers, leaders, worshipers. Uh, I, I would just encourage all of us to think of worship as a feast every time we get together, whether that's on Sundays or every day of the week or whenever we get together. Let's just feast. We're never going to run out of him and we're never going to get he- to the end of him. Key to that's not just like amount, right? But variety. A feast mm. is a place where there's not just like a lot of spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> right? But it, a feast right. has a lot of different things. And um, Charlotte Mason is somebody who pioneered homeschooling before it was cool. You know, a lot of people okay. are homeschooling now. Yeah. But she described education that way, that we lay a feast for our children and we give them many different varieties of things to feed their mind. Yeah. It's beautiful. In the blog post I wrote introducing this idea, I, I wrote these words. My experience has been the opposite of what um, a sweet saint that I knew was after when, when she was saying that we should withhold the special moments of worship. Um, the more powerful encounters I have with my Savior, the hungrier I get for his power. This is the economy of God. These are God's feast. In other words, the more we get of him, the more we want of him. It's entirely the opposite of food. The more I eat of food, the fuller I get. The more I I partake of the presence of God, the more I crave the presence of God. And I think that's a beautiful way to think of our God who is so generous. He just gives us more and more of himself and he never runs out because he is infinite and we are finite and we can't take all of him in. So in all of the ways that you're planning or leading, just invite people to taste and see that the Lord is good, as Psalm says. Um, it's so, so powerful. Here, here's one of the weird things about it to me. And, and I don't even know if this is right. So y'all can email me or call me or text me or whatever and tell me I'm out of my mind. But I think worship is not only a feast, but it's also an appetizer. And what I mean by that is, At the end of the worship gathering, when people leave, I want them to feel like they've just gotten a taste and now it's time to go home and continue the feast. I really want people to leave church wanting more, not just of church, but more of Jesus. So when they leave, having heard the scripture read or proclaimed two or three or four times in a service on a Sunday morning, I want them to think, gosh, I need to go home and read my Bible more because that's just whetted my appetite. Or when they are led in prayer in a way that is engaging and compelling and intimate and powerful, then I want them to think, oh, I need to go home and pray more. And when they sing songs and worship at church, I want them to think, I got to get the Spotify playlist and play it through a Bluetooth speaker and sing my heart out at home. Because why would I not? If I can do this on my own, this is just whetting my appetite, which of course shapes the way. I don't know how to say this exactly right. This shapes the, the level of excellence and efficiency or, or effectiveness with which we lead. So I'm, now I'm not just praying because I'm supposed to pray before this song, but I'm praying in a way that invites people to get a taste of God's presence that makes them want more. And I'm not just reading scripture because it's my turn. I'm reading scripture in a way that, that makes them think, oh my goodness, I should read that more. That's so good. I didn't know that was in the Bible. Like I should start reading that more. And the same with singing, which is of course the thing that most of us who are mostly musicians are going to think about all the time as with singing, but it's not just singing, but it is singing. 
And so I, go home and sit at the piano. And even if you can't play, play the best you can and get on a chord chart that has only three chords and play, Lord, I lift your name on high. If you can do that, a revelation song, you could probably do revelation songs. So do that because it's pretty predictable and repetitive chords and they're the same for the verse and the chorus and you can get through that even if you're not a good pianist so go do that but find a way to worship at home because the Sunday gathering or the time anytime we gather has made me want to do it more so again I don't think that's in the bible but it just seems like the right thing to me yeah leaders model so we are not worshiping for the congregation like in place of them That's not what worship leaders are supposed to be doing. We're supposed to model worshiping so that the congregation will worship, but not just when they're in front of us, but when they're not in front of us. Mm. Yeah. And uh, a, a proof of that would be my three children were a part of a really special worship service with you and both of your daughters a few weeks Mm -hmm. ago. And yeah. one of the songs was uh, one they'd never heard before called by Christy Knuckles called Wrap This One Up. Mm. Oh. And it made the connection between Jesus as a Passover lamb and the lambs on the hills outside of Bethlehem. And then Jesus was. And at any day in my house, since then, at any hour of the day, you can hear that song emanating loudly from one wow. of them, from the bathroom, from the bedroom, <laughs> from the playroom. Because they've been singing it ever since, ever yeah. since. That's so, that's so encouraging. I, I hope it's encouraging for you, <laughs> listener, too. I mean, obviously it is for me. By the way, my daughter picked that song out. I, I didn't. She found it. I'd never heard it. And then she sang it. And it's, it's just an incredible set of words. Again, wrap this one up by Christy Knuckles. I had a couple of people after church say, what's that song? I need to look that up. <laughs> there, there's actually on YouTube, there's a story of Christy telling the um how she came to write it and understand it. And it's just so good. So yeah, check out that song, but that's not, that's not ultimately the point. Ultimately the point is do stuff in church that makes people want to worship on their own. One of my goals for 2021, (laughs) actually in my job description of the church is to facilitate the private worship of the congregation. And I haven't really done anything. um, I haven't done anything very intentional about that, but recently I've created a Spotify playlist with our church's Spotify account called private worship and i'll start telling the Mm. congregation about that so that they can use that to have private worship time i mean can you imagine worship leader what it would be like to stand up in front of a group of people that had spent time six days in a row worshiping on their own and then they walk into your room and you're in charge of leading them the place would explode it would just absolutely ooze with the presence of god because they were used to it they were accustomed to it it was familiar to them and fresh all at the same time and why wouldn't we want to encourage the private worship of our people so that when they come together publicly, they worship more passionately? So if we can worship in such a way and lead worship in such a way that it encourages, um, challenges, calls out, evokes people to worship when they're on their own, then I think that's just a giant win. And the feast becomes an appetizer. And that cycle continues week after week, day after day. And then our worship experience Nah, our, in, our encounter with God in worship becomes richer and deeper and more transcending and more transformative and all the things we dream of it being. So I, I love this idea. I, I hope it catches on and I hope it encourages you in the way that you do your job, whether your job is a volunteer or a professional um, paid person, uh, that we just, we find ways to make worship 
tasteful in the fullest sense of that word that you just get a taste and then it's so good that you want to do it again and again. Well, and I think about in the Old Testament, especially when people came to worship, they were bringing something. Yes. To give. Yes. And I think, um, unfortunately, um, in, the, in the New Testament church and in the Western church specifically, I don't think many people um, think of it that way. They, they come to church for something they can get. And we do get, you know, we, we do receive so many wonderful things uh, when uh, we come and we gather together with the fellow believers. And yes, you know, we, we don't bring a sacrifice to, to forgive our sins. Jesus is the only sacrifice for sin. However, I do think that it is in giving that we receive, right? It is yeah. in pardoning that we are pardoned as that famous prayer goes. It is in giving that, yeah, it brings us joy to give. And so I think as we uh, at home on our own believers and worship leaders alike, as we cultivate that place of feasting and worshiping and, and, you know, glorifying the Lord in our own, it will increase that joy that we have in bringing something to give when we come to the worship setting. Which brings this whole conversation full circle back to the Old Testament system of when we brought a sacrifice, it was so that we could have a feast. And in yes. the New Testament, in, the, in Hebrews, we're told that our sacrifice is now a sacrifice of praise. And so if we yes. will give our praise as a sacrifice, we will discover that there is a feast on the other side, which of course is not consumeristic. It's, con- it's being a contributor. It's being a, um, a participant. It's choosing to engage myself as a worshiper. And I, I've started really trying to more consistently encourage those who watch worship online to engage rather than observe, because mm. my experience is when I'm in the room and I'm an observer, I am seldom really a worshiper. I, I, I really am just a spectator. But as soon as I move from observing to engaging, that's, it's really very much like a light switch on a wall. Just immediately mm-hmm. I go from being a spectator to being um immersed in the experience which i think is the whole idea of singing anyway in worship i think it's why the bible tells us to do it so much because as we sing to god we experience his presence it's beautiful and rewarding and i i am a fan i I love that we get to do this and we get to be a part of this isn't it a great privilege it is it is any final thoughts from you bethany well i i just love that thought of of coming uh, to a place as a worship leader with the goal of encouraging private worship. Um, I think sometimes as worship leaders, we make the day too much about ourselves. You know, how did I do? How did the band sound? How did my voice sound? How did the people respond? And Mm -hmm. instead of that, um, really making that um, a priority of modeling worship in a way that will cause people to worship themselves when they're not standing in front of you because worship is not singing. It's not kneeling. Uh, Those are tools that we use to respond to God. And we want, I think most worship leaders want the people in their congregation to be responding to God more than just one hour a week. So important and so formative and so transforming and, um, 
when you say that we sometimes worry about the wrong things, I just feel I feel so convicted by that because many, 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 probably most of the times I have stood in front of people to lead worship, I have wondered about that kind of evaluative, how did I do um, instead of, gosh, how did they do? Like, how did I help them? How did I serve them? How, how did I facilitate what, what I'm here to do? Because I'm, I'm not there to just worship in front of them. I am supposed to do that. There's no doubt about that. But I really am there to serve them and to have them encounter the living God who can change everything about the world that they need changed and give them hope and things that I can't give them. And so I, I want to get better at that. I, I hope that you'll join us on the journey and that we'll find ways to, if you have suggestions for how to make worship a feast, for how to make worship appetizing so that people will do private worship, would you, would you reach out to me? Let me know. Email me at rodellis at gmail.com. That's Rod, R-O-D, middle initial E, last name Ellis, E-L-L-I-S, all run together, Rod, E-L-S at gmail.com. My cell number is 502-229-0114, and I would be delighted to hear from you, especially with ideas, suggestions. Um, if you have things you'd like to hear us talk about, we would be delighted to talk about just about anything you would suggest. So uh, reach out, and, and we'd love to serve you um, as our listeners. And thank you for listening. I hope this encourages you. I hope you feel like you can, you can go another week, you can go another day, you can go to another meeting, you can go to another service, you can do whatever it is God's called you to do, just a little bit more strengthened, emboldened, um, equipped because of the time that we spent together. And if it's helped you, if it serves you, would you share it? We'd be so honored if you would let somebody know. Send it to a friend, personally, privately, whatever, or share it on social media. Um, if if you've just listened on occasion and you want to subscribe, that will help as well. Rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, just search for So Every Soul Sings, and um, we'd love to, to be able to see some more people catch on to these sorts of things that I think will serve the whole church. And I'm excited about the way that they are serving my church, um, but I really want them to serve other churches as well. And so uh, help us if you feel so inclined. We'd love for you to do that. Um, thanks for being a part of, of this podcast. Bethany, you're amazing. What a privilege it is to call you friend um, and to know your, your children who are singing Wrap This One Up from, from various corners of the house. It's a beautiful yep. song. Check it out. Um, and if there's a way I can serve you in any way, uh, we don't talk about this very often. There are other resources available to you. Um, I have a blog. You can find that at soeverysoulsings.com. Um, I have a book I've written called Worship Leader Handbook. It's available on Amazon. Uh, I think it's $15. If that's too much money for you, reach out to me. I'll send you a copy. Um, I just want to help in any way I can and would love to be able to resource you uh, so that you can do your job so every soul 